I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, May 10th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, you know I'm quasi-addicted to Twitter, Elon Musk or not, and I saw something over the weekend. Did you see the CEO of Shopify, Toby Lucky's post over the weekend? No, I didn't. What did it say? So he wrote, is there a place where financial analysts' track records are kept? People seem to pay attention to them, but are they being held accountable? It seems like CEOs of publicly traded companies are mad at Wall Street analysts. Do I have this right? Yeah, well, surprise, surprise. You know, I think everyone's kind of bitter right now. Shopify feels especially under the microscope. To their credit, though, I remember, and I don't remember all the exact facts here, but there was a big short campaign against Shopify maybe four years ago, three years ago, and it was a really big deal at the time. And it was all wrong. Like Shopify went up like a thousand percent after that. Anyway, so I think there's one thing which is short short positions being held where the market holds you accountable. But he's absolutely right. There's another thing about just writing opinions and then people trading on those opinions. Like you have some sort of credibility. And I'm sure some analysts have more credibility than others. But you, like, it's a good point. Is there really is something that's tracking their performance over time? And how general is it? We do it all the time on the pod against analyst predictions. Well, Let's dive into who those analysts are. Maybe it's a topic for another podcast. Well, we're kind of analysts ourselves, Jay. What's your pick? <laughs> I like Shopify, but don't buy any stock based on anything I say. Yeah, we're not we're not investment professionals. <laughs> we are Canadian homers in this case. Yeah, I just, it, it is a, it's an interesting tweet from a publicly traded company, CEO. That's what I am sort of most interested in because it sort of breaks down the barrier between CEO and sort of the public or retail investor, which is always interesting to me. But I just one last point on this. Even the most famous analysts can get it so wrong. There's a great video on YouTube where it's Jim Cramer like telling people to buy Bear Stearns like, like a month before the crash, <laughs> like a month before they went out of business. It's awesome. And so look, like don't trust anyone is the answer here. Only trust yourself. Do your own research. Wow, that's very good, Brett. It's almost like you're a lawyer. And I know you're not, but it almost is. Brett, aside from Toby Lucky's tweets... What do we have for Peak Pals today? I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on the podcast, Jay. For our first story, market turmoil. For our second story, language laws. And for our third story, urban meatballs. <laughs> for our first story, if you're wondering what's up with stocks lately, you probably already know the answer is that nothing's up. Seriously, we thought we'd kick off today's episode by breaking down what's happening on the markets. Well, let me give you the summary of what's happening on the market, Jay. It's not pretty. That's the summary. The S&P and TSX Composite Index, that's a Canadian benchmark that reflects much of the Toronto Stock Exchange. Well, it fell 2.5% yesterday. So this would be a day before and is down a total of 5% this year. The S&P 500 index also hit a 52-week low and has dropped 16% this year alone. There's really only one thing to say there and that's, ouch, the market was on a tear in 2021. If you remember way back when, the S&P 500 gained 26.9%. Brett, those were the good old days. But as the Bank of Canada tries to slow the economy with higher interest rates, investors, well, they're pulling out. I remember when stocks only went up. What happened to that? <laughs> Adding to the uncertainty are continued lockdowns in China, surging inflation, supply constraints, and the recent spike in oil prices, much due to the war in Ukraine. It's a lot of bad news in one sentence, Brett. It's yeah. worth mentioning these indices are also heavily weighted to tech stocks, given the high market capitalization of companies like Amazon, which are really feeling the pain. Companies like Netflix, Meta, and Peloton have all begun to freeze hiring or even lay people off. It's all doom and gloom here at the Peak Daily today, and some strategists predict tech stocks could continue to fall a further 25% until landing back to pre-pandemic prices. For crypto, those losses 
could be even more than 60%, according to who, who, who according to analysts, <laughs> analysts, analysts, Jay. Now, besides being bad for our portfolios, why does the turn of the markets matter to peak pals? Well, while some forecasters remain optimistic, the outlook for the global economy is increasingly, let's call it unclear. Tim Kaladzi in the globe, yeah. he wrote, no one is sure of what normal looks like anymore. And that's when investors psychology is the scariest, not to be ominous or anything. We got to Ominous covered right here on the Pink Daily. Well, we'll leave it there. For our second story, Quebec's stringent new French language laws are expected to pass before summer, which could leave tens of thousands of previously exempt businesses forced to adopt higher standards around French signage, contracts, and employee language proficiency. Jay, wow, thank God you don't live in Quebec. This would be really rough on you. Do you want to give a breakdown of the new rules? I will try. It's in English, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So in 1977, the Charter of the French Language made French the official language of the government and courts in Quebec and the everyday language of work, instruction, communication, commerce, and business. Now, federally regulated industries, banks, telcos, and schools, and any business with other under 50 employees, they were all excluded from the legislation. But now, businesses with 25 or more employees will be held up to the charter standards. Yikes. Quebec's language laws are important in maintaining its unique identity in a larger Anglophone country, and the provincial government believes that new measures are necessary to preserve the French language as studies show its decline in Quebec. But Quebec is also home to 20,000 businesses with 25 to 49 employees. And according to a survey last year from the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses, the CFIB, 65% of those small businesses say that English is necessary for business operations. Meaning it could cost a company with about 50 employees up to $23.5 million to implement French language changes per the CFIB, a heavy price tag that could lead to some closing up shop, leaving town, or <laughs> turning a 49-person company into two, like a 25-person one and a 24-person one, yeah. breaking up into two, let's say. Yeah, and, and that's really why PayPal should care. So only 12% of the province's population are native English speakers, but the majority are situated in the greater Montreal area, which services many English-speaking tourists and includes the majority of Quebec's businesses that deal with international companies, companies that might be put off by having to sign a contract written in French. I personally would not be, Jay, but I, you know, I could see other people being a bit concerned about that. That's, by the way, for our Quebec friends over there. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-French language. To help mitigate any damages, business groups are pleading the government to soften some rules and offer support uh, and lenient deadlines to businesses who are making that transition. For our final story, Swedish meatball and furniture giant IKEA is investing over $3 billion to bring stores to city centers around the world and retool their big box locations as distribution hubs for online orders. Brett, there's nothing I would like more than a downtown IKEA. <laughs> I think that's really right. Do you think we'll ever get one? And for your guess, where would it be? There's nothing more miserable than taking the shuttle bus from City Place to the Etobicoke Ikea and then having to lug everything back. I would love a downtown Ikea. And it, your wish may come true. Ikea has decided that its future lies in expansion by prioritizing accessibility for shoppers who have either turned to online shopping or don't think buying furniture should take a full day and a car that I can't drive, Jay. <laughs> I forgot about the part you don't have a license. Smaller stores will mean replacing IKEA's signature labyrinth style, which forces customers to take a certain path through every single showroom. It's like, you know, Pan's Labyrinth. It's Fen's Labyrinth. <laughs> the old method has been successful for years, causing customers to spend longer time in stores or living out their domestic fantasies amongst the mall displays. And IKEA wants them to see every item the store has to offer 
to make them more likely to throw in, you know, a blage or a flottemolen. I like it. Your your uh, Swedish is almost as good as my French. Meanwhile, IKEA's yeah. distribution hub expansion aims to combat supply chain issues that have hampered the world's largest furniture company. Now, soaring transport and raw material prices dropped IKEA's net income almost 20% in 2021, despite an almost 8.5% increase in retail sales. This led the company to increase prices about 9% on average globally this year. I could do a better job at that Swedish, Jay. I, I'm looking at it now. Fjadermon. That's not bad. here's why it all matters. <laughs> well, I, you're not, you, I don't think you're going to be the judge on this one. No. And here's why it all matters for IKEA and affordable furniture shoppers everywhere. Okay. So the future of retail increasingly looks like a balancing act between robust online offerings, which can be quickly and efficiently fulfilled, and spaces that offer the shopper a reason to get off the laptop and out of the house. Now, to thrive for another 50 years, even IKEA will have to take a step forward to keep up with the changing times. Peak Palace, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, we haven't done this yet on the show. I want to give a shout out to two pieces of furniture that we almost grew up with, my wife and I. One is Beckvam. Love the Beckvam. And the other is the, the staple in many, many people's homes the Billy bookcases. So shout out to Bic, Beckvam and Billy. How's that? That's great. I, I think <laughs> I probably have both too. I'm sure you do. Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay.